Bhagavad Gita class. But that's okay because you have the book, or tonight you're going to get the book, and you can catch up. You can read on your own, because we only meet once a week. So if you read, you know, a couple chapters a day, you could potentially catch up in one week. Um, that would be a lot, but <laughs> you might be able to do it. Uh, let's see. So let's do a short review of last week. We just ended chapter 8. So let me pull that up. So chapter 8 was entitled Attaining the Supreme. So a little, there's a discussion about the material energy versus the spiritual energy and how to ultimately attain the best of everything. So the culmination, Prabhupada gave a nice kind of culmination of this chapter in the past few chapters. So in the 28th verse, which is the last verse of the chapter, Lord Krishna says, a person who accepts the path of devotional service is not bereft of the results derived from studying the Vedas, performing sacrifices, undergoing austerities, giving charity, or pursuing philosophical and fruitive activities. Simply by performing devotional service, he attains all these, and at the end he reaches a supreme eternal abode. So Srila Prabhupada he gives this beautiful example about watering the root of a tree. And if you water each individual leaf, it might seem like it's helping because the leaf becomes cleansed and it's shiny and so oh, this is very nice. But actually, no benefit is there and ultimately the whole tree withers away. But by watering the root of the tree, all the leaves, all the branches flourish. So devotional service is getting to the root of existence, is um, connecting to the source of all energies, uh, Shakti Mam. Uh, the source of all shakti in, in so many varieties. And when we go to that source of everything, then we don't have to go anywhere else. It's like you might be trying to um, make money, but then you find a gold mine. Then why do you have to go and, and, and sweat and labor so intensely if you have a gold mine, right? <laughs> if you have a gold mine, you're just going to go straight there and you're going to pick up as much gold as you can and you're going to cash in as much as you like. So, so approaching Krishna is, is like that gold mine. And so people, they do all kinds of different things, and they get temporary benefits, but in the end, just like the, the leaves um, that wither away, in the end, that all withers away. Because the, the real connection isn't being made, the connection with the source of everything, the source of all power, all beauty, all strength all fame, all knowledge, everything we're seeking when we're performing austerities or we're doing work, that's all there. It's all supplied by Krishna. And so Prabhupada, he says, this verse is a summation of the 7th and 11th chapters, which particularly deal with Krishna consciousness and devotional service. One has to study the Vedas under the guidance of the spiritual master and undergo many austerities and penances while living under his care. A brahmachari has to live in the home of the spiritual master, just like a servant, he must beg alms from door to door and bring them to the spiritual master. So in Vedic culture, 
the students would perform very menial service to please the spiritual master and then and the spiritual master through reciprocation would um, endow the student with spiritual knowledge and, and spiritual values. Um, so Prabhupada is, what he's doing is he's spelling out um, the rigorous process of attaining enlightenment. And later on, so he's saying that through this, through this, uh, through these, this student life under the guru, this it develops the formation of character and then they achieve further enlightenment. Uh, so he says, by carrying out the orders of the brahmacharya, householder life, vanaprast, and finally sannyas, one becomes elevated to the perfectional stage of life. Some are then elevated to the heavenly kingdoms, and when they become even more advanced, they are liberated in the spiritual sky, either in the impersonal Brahmajyoti or in the Vaikuntha planets or Krishna Loka. This is the path outlined by the Vedic literatures. So the Vedic literatures give ways we can make step-by-step -step progress towards enlightenment, uh, towards achieving perfection. But then Srila Prabhupada, so this is really the summation of what, what Krishna is saying in this 28th verse. Prabhupada says, The beauty of Krishna consciousness, however, is that by one stroke, by engaging in devotional service, one can surpass all the rituals of the different orders of life. So let's see. So if one is fortunate enough to understand Bhagavad Gita, especially these middle six chapters in the association of devotees, then his life at once becomes glorified beyond all penances, sacrifices, charities, speculations, etc. For one can achieve all the results of these activities simply by Krishna consciousness. So now, uh, today we're going to enter into the ninth chapter, which is confidential knowledge. And so this is going to go even deeper. It's, it actually gets more and more thick as it goes through ninth, 10th, 11th, and then 12th chapter. 12th chapter is directly devotional service. Um, so this is actually really some really famous verses we're going to be studying today. And I'm glad to be back studying with you. Especially you, we really missed you, Krishna Nam. And you, Achyutta Priya. We miss both of you. And we're really happy to have our new guests here. Who would like to share? Actually, I forgot and did the last week's... Uh, oh, you did eight, the, last, the end of the eighth chapter. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll have we'll time. We'll see how things go. But we'd like to hear from you, too. <clears throat> okay, so... I picked uh, part of the purport of, in, in nine, in the second verse. And um, there, again, this chapter, is, this, these sections were just so rich with stuff. It was really hard to pick something out of this. Mm -hmm. So I tried to, and I just said, okay, I, I got kind of like, I didn't know what to do, so I just picked this one. So uh, the discovery, it is said that the execution of devotional service is so perfect that one can perceive the results directly. This direct result is actually perceived, and we have practical experience that any person who is chanting the holy names of Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, in course of chanting without offenses, feels some transcendental pleasure and very quickly becomes purified of all material contamination. This is actually seen. So, an understanding of that is, this is an interesting thing that I took out of there because in the understanding, it's so clearly stated here that I don't know if I can 
uh, clarify that understanding better than how Srila Prabhupada put it in the report. Uh, we can break it down a little bit. Uh, it is said that the execution of devotional service is so perfect that that one can perceive the results directly. So to me, that my understanding of that is that, that if you're doing pure devotional service, that results can happen right almost right away. Um, of course, it takes time sometimes to get to pure devotional service, but once that happens, then you can perceive those results immediately. Um, this direct result is actually perceived, and we have practical experience that any person who is chanting the holy names of Krishna, okay, um, in course of chanting without offenses, uh, feels some transcendental pleasure and very quickly becomes purified of all material contamination. Now, this is the thing about chanting that I've noticed for myself over the years, and my understanding of that is that as I chanted more and more and more, then, and I got proper instructions on how to chant, that was important too, that um, I started to receive results out of that, and my offenses became less. Because in the beginning, I'm just defending like crazy, I knew I was, you know, but as time went by, and so I have actually felt those results, you know, directly myself as the years have gone by chanting this. So this is basically what the understanding of all this is saying, that if you do this purely, you do it without offenses, that you will um, actually see those results. Um, as far as uh, the application of that is, is exactly that. Um, begin with chanting, you know? That's the foundation which, um, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave us in the Sankirtan and the chant, you know, is to chant, for, you know, use that as a foundation and then build on that associate with other devotees, read the scriptures from, from bona fide sources, you know, and then be taught how to do other things in devotional service as well, through taking a spiritual master who can teach you properly, or devotees can help you with that process. And as you go along and go along and go along, then you will see results. If you're dedicated to it, you will see those results very quickly. I know I have, you know, so that's my application of that. I'd like to just briefly discuss a little bit more about the results mm -hmm. because it can seem a little kind of ambiguous sometimes of yeah. what are the results that we're gaining because like the the path like Prabhupada would, would emphasize is a gradual process devotional service generally it's generally a very gradual process so as we're how are we knowing that we're moving along the path because in the state of pure Krishna consciousness pure love of God there's like ecstatic symptoms like the hair is going to stand up and Tears come to the eyes, like tears are welling up in the eyes all the time, and you know sometimes you're shivering in ecstasy, and there's different <laughs> like symptoms of ecstatic love of God. But on that path, we might be thinking, well, where are the results? Because I am not shivering in ecstasy, and I don't have my tear, tears aren't pouring from my eyes like torrents of rain. So, what is the result? So, there's one verse in the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, that says, by rendering devotional service, you re you receive knowledge and detachment. So the knowledge is like deepening of faith. So it's so when you get introduced to Krishna consciousness, you may have a little bit of faith or some faith or no faith. But as you as you progress in the path of Krishna consciousness, these things that initially may have just been um, like shallow faith, 
all of a sudden you start to know them. Like you get realizations like, wow, this is actually reality. You start seeing these things. You start seeing like the hand of God in your life and the reciprocation taking place and different events and things that take place in your life. And, and within your heart, there's a deeper um, belief that, oh, this is real. Krishna is real. God, God is a person. And this relationship does exist. And then on the other hand, the detachment is you can practically look at your life and see, I used to feel like I really needed these things. Like I used to feel like I had to have a drink, like I had to have a beer or something. I used to feel like I had to have that, but now I don't feel like I need it anymore. I'm detached. It's, that's powerful. When you gain detachment, it's, it's personal power. So this is a gift by Krishna because, because of the attachment to the, the practice of Krishna consciousness, um, because of that, what, what Krishna calls in Bhagavad Gita, higher taste, then the detachment comes. And we can see that practically in our life as we're moving along. Oh, I know I used to have to feel like, felt like I had to do this, felt like I had to watch TV, and now I feel like I don't need to anymore, like that. So little things like that. Like for me personally, I used to think that to enjoy life, I had to play basketball. Like I'm not saying basketball is like a really bad thing or something. <laughs> I'm just saying that like that was one thing for me that I felt like for me to be happy in life, like daily or weekly, I had to play basketball. <laughs> and as I was practicing Krishna consciousness, um, I just feel like there's no need. Like I don't have to play basketball. If I do or I don't, it doesn't really make much of a difference. Um, and this, my desire is more towards going within and cultivating Krishna consciousness. I just have a my more spiritual desires. So these are just some examples about how you can see um, you can actually see the advancement happening in your in your own life through this this chanting process that you you were just. And that, that's that's a really good point there, just because I know for me it's it was that way. It was like just a lack of interest. And I think it's earlier on, you know, even when I was just kind of dabbling and chanting and doing other forms of meditation, I just didn't have the interest in things my, you know, uh, other friends or stuff did. And this is in high school. You know, they want to go out party and do this and do that. I just really didn't have a whole lot of interest in that. I'd rather home and read something or, you know, read something you know, some sacred scriptures, some text or something, you know, I'd rather uh, do things like that. Just, and, and as time and years went by, just interest that most people would have going to sporting events or go to a concert or something like that, just, you know, I just don't really, I'm not interested in it anymore. So, and I didn't really know what that was until later on in years, and then I said, oh, okay, I see what's happening, you know. It made me aware of that. I just knew that it wasn't there. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, those are the symptoms that you can get. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and some spiritual practices, um, you see people doing great austerities. Like we, were, we were talking about verse 28, how some, and that, that does help one to gain some power and gain some audience before God or before his representatives. Because someone who does austerities are doing that to gain something from God. And so God recognizes those austerities. But the difference is, is that they may be restraining themselves, but they're suppressing 
like they're repressing. So like the path of Krishna consciousness is not repression. It's not like, oh, I really want to watch that TV show, but I'm not going to. Like, it's not like that. It's like, you just lose interest. So that's the real power is that you just, you don't have no need anymore. You see, you develop, you mature, your taste matures. Does that kind of make sense? Okay. You understand? Um, you want to go first? No. We're running out of devotees here. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine is not really like a explanation or something. It's more like a realization. Okay. Of. You have something to, to read from that? Um, yeah. Okay. It's from text one. It's in the purport. And it goes like this. So there's one line here that says, um, simply to understand that a living entity is not material is not sufficient. And then it follows by saying, that may be the beginning of spiritual realization, but one should recognize the difference between activities of the body and the spiritual activities of one who understands that he is not the body. So when I read that, I don't know, it was more like a realization, like, oh my God, I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> like I I have to like keep going. Cause my the way my brain works and the way things seem to me is still not considering that I'm not the body even though I know that it hasn't really like fully became a reality in my life I guess so it kind of like it's like oh wow okay so yeah that was like my realization by reading that and my application would be like keep chanting like more more attentively and per, you know perfectionally perfectioning my chanting and more reading and doing more things to help me get there, pretty yeah. much. Yes. And, and even if we don't have full realization that we're not the body, mm -hmm. if we engage our body as much as possible, ideally fully, in Krishna consciousness, then the body, then it's spiritual. It's a spiritual activity. Because, I mean, we're, we're using this vehicle, you know, these two eyes, nose, mouth, ears. We're using these senses as body. So it's also Krishna's energy. It's not a bad thing. So if we're using it in Krishna consciousness, then we don't have to like artificially be thinking, this is not me, this is not me, I'm not my body. I'm this like oh my god, like what is this thing? Like what is this contraption? You know? <laughs> because it's we're we're using it as a vehicle. It's like when you're in your car, you're driving, you're not thinking like I am not my car. You know you're not your car, but you're just utilizing your car to get to your destination. So I guess my point is, is like if you're if you're using your body to develop your Krishna consciousness, then that's spiritual realization. You see what I mean? Yes. Like that is realization. Like you wouldn't have realization if you were using your body in materialistic activities. Then that would be because you would be putting your faith. In, in the body and things of the body rather than in, in utilizing your body to, to cultivate the spirit 
I guess yeah. my conclusion is always like having that, like how, where do I, where do we meet in the middle of like taking care of my body? Because I have to take care of my body. I'm here. So I have to take care of my material life too, but then balancing my spiritual life that is way more important, but yet I can't like neglect my body either. So like I'm always in this constant thing, not always, but sometimes I get in, in this like like mindset of like okay where's the where can I find the balance where can I be in in service of Krishna and and be Krishna conscious but also take care of you know think about the future make plans take care of my life right now this moment in the present so that's my my thing always like how where do I find the balance well Prabhupada he would always say simple living and high thinking like you've heard many times so he would say, take care of your health, take care of your body, but just don't put overemphasis on it. And also, to some degree, we have to trust. Like whatever we do in life, even if we're not Christian conscious, we have to trust that what we're doing is the best thing. Like if you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue this career and I'm going to choose this investment, we still have to trust Otherwise, we'll just be in anxiety all the time. We'll be worrying, did I, did I choose the right career? Did I make the right investment? It'll just be a constant source of anxiety. So similarly, if we, if we simply do the best we can in the service of the Lord, and we try to use our intelligence to also take care of the body, which if we neglect the body, then that's not good because the body is a temple of Krishna. The body is, is God. It's, we, we have devoted our body to the service of the Lord. So we have to take care of our body. We have, we've been given this intelligence. So we have to use our intelligence to plan for the future. But I guess my point is, is that we have to trust Krishna. Like we have to trust that, that if we do the best we can while staying within our dharmic um, activities, then Krishna will help us. Like, trying to figure out what's that yeah. activity that helps you do. so then we have we have spiritual mentors so you, you talk it over like you have your husband you talk it with your husband you talk it over with him you talk it over with mother Sundamani, talk it over with Jivananda Prabhu and you, you just figure out with because you know that if you're if you're serving with your husband you know that's dharmic right you know that if you're pleasing mother Sundamani, that's dharma. Because Krishna situated you here under another Sandamani. You know that if you're pleasing Gurudev, that's dharma. So if, if you can line all these up and then just do the best you can, then you just have to trust. <laughs> you have to trust that if you if you do if you do your duty, Krishna will provide you. Just like in the twenty eighth verse we just read. Everything comes. And even if we perceive it as negative, it's not because when we surrender to Krishna, he's directly taking control of our life. Even if it seems negative, it's actually not. That's the key that, that I've learned over time because I've, you know, um, this year especially, <laughs> it's been challenging, you know. But what I've understood is that, that you know, this is all Krishna. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in control of this. I'm not the doer, you know. So, so basically, uh, if, if I'm going through this, it's because Krishna wants me to go through this. And I always think, okay, I'm in service of him always, 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 always. Now, yes, it can be challenging. You can all go, you know, all of a sudden in your mind, you're going, why is this happening to me? You know, and you're going, wait a minute, whoa, 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 back up, you know. 
and then you you just keep that always in mind as everything you're doing you know I mean from the littlest things when I was taking my wife to the hospital when my wife's going to the hospital I was going up there to visit her every single moment was in service of Krishna it's Krishna's got me in this place at this moment this time right there and the funny thing is I had an opportunity to preach while I was in the hospital so I mean that's the thing I mean again opportunities come and Krishna just makes that happen good or bad you know I don't try to judge that I just judge this is where I'm supposed to be this is what I'm supposed to be doing and always remember who you really are yeah. that's that's how I kept it going because once you're in the service of Krishna all of a sudden you you transcend good and bad there's no good and bad anymore good and bad is only there when we're in material consciousness because we're 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 being moved by karma Karma basically means like action, and then with action comes a reaction. So when you have good reactions coming, it's due to your good past, past good activities, and then when you have negative um, things coming to you, it's due to your past negative activities. But when you're in Krishna consciousness, it's simply Krishna. It's simply Krishna reciprocating. It's, it's, so even the so-called bad is good. Because Krishna is simply, he's giving us what we need. Like we need this to grow somehow yeah like and we can see that like when we get through like very difficult trials and and you're the you, you'll be the one to talk about this <laughs> when you go through difficult trials when you go when you come to the other end and if you're in Krishna consciousness you get lots of realization so you can then you can see oh this is why Krishna put me through this you can probably attest to that oh yeah absolutely I mean um you know, a few years ago it was cancer for myself, and then of course accident, and then you know this present situation with my wife having a stroke. But it was just—it's all that you know. When you go through all that and you see all that, you just through all that you just sit there and say, "Well, wait a minute, you know, this is not. I'm, this is happening to me because it needs to happen to me. You know, uh, this is either my karma. This is what Krishna wants. This is what God wants. This is that's it." And I was supposed to learn from that process. You know, it's, I think people who ignore it, you know, and forget, you know, they, they get so lost in the being the body, and they just sit there, why is this happening to me? Oh, woe is me, da-da-da-da-da. And they get caught up in that. And they forget that, you know, it's not it at all. You know, you have to pay attention to every single moment. Because those bad things is when you really advance and learn. Because we do have to really pay attention to what's being told us. Yeah, we have unlimited examples of someone who they plan out their whole life. And they like, you know, they make the right investments. They got everything going for them, and then their whole life is just showing. Like, how many times have we seen that? Like, we see that with celebrities all the time in the news and rich people. But that's the only reason we see it with them is because they're like rich and famous. But there's so many other rich people, wealthy people, who crash and burn too. So it's not really like material material plans will never be the solution because we have our karma coming. We're just under karma. That's it. But when we surrender to Krishna, then we can trust that if we if we just do the best we can in Krishna's service, everything will everything will come from it. Yeah. I just want to say something. Um, my understanding of it all is that Krishna he loves us so much. And when I think about Krishna, I think about a loving, a loving parent who doesn't want to see their child suffering. 
So it's not, it's not that Krishna wants us to suffer. It's not that he's sitting there and saying, I want you to go through this. At least this is how I see it. I see it as this is something that we might have to go through because it's what we deserve. It's literally what we've earned because of our karma. So my understanding of it is that when we, are, when we become Krishna conscious, Krishna is doing everything he can to consolidate that karma. And he's consolidating that karma. And, 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 when, we, and, and when we experience something that we, that we can judge as negative, it might just be a, a fraction of something that we deserved. But we're just we're receiving that mercy from Krishna because Krishna is consolidating most of that reaction. Um, and always in those situations where we're going through those, those valleys, there are always opportunities to grow. Um, and ultimately, what's the point? What's the point of it all? It's understanding that this isn't our home. This is a temporary world, and this world is full of miseries. And no matter how we try to accommodate this place, no matter what we try to do, it's always going to be a place that's ultimately going to let us down. It is until we get to that point where we can realize that the goal is to create an exit strategy and get out of here. Until we actually have that realization, I feel like we're going to continue to hit the wall. We're going to continue to experience things because all these things are meant to take us to the point where we have that realization. At least for me, Krishna is looking at us saying, I don't want you to keep suffering, but you haven't learned your lesson. And it's not that I want to keep you in this perpetual cycle of suffering, but you just haven't learned your lesson yet. So you might just have to continue to go through it until you get it. Does that make sense? At least that's kind of what I read when I when I read. and it's like a good father like trying to teach his son the value of of learning and understanding and growing. Not just let me do this for my son and he might never learn and really appreciate. The father's thinking, no, I I, I want you to experience this so that you can grow from it and actually learn, you know, from it. So, anyways, that's just kind of how I see it. Um, and if you want, I could share. Yeah, go ahead. yeah. So I just have, I have a nine three purport. The faithless cannot accomplish this process of devotional service. That is the purport of this verse. Faith is created by association with devotees. Unfortunate people, even after hearing all the evidence of Vedic literature from great personalities still have no faith in God. They are hesitant and cannot stay fixed in the devotional service of the Lord. Thus, faith is a most important factor for progress in Krishna consciousness. But the line that really struck me was this line. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that faith is the complete conviction that simply by serving the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna, one can achieve all perfection. That, that's the line that gets me. And then, and then he follows that up with, that is called real faith. He says, that's real faith. In other words, he gives, that's the opposite of fake faith. So there's fake faith and then there's real faith. And he's making a distinction. So my understandings, I, I look at understandings as realizations, like so that I can kind of share what I, what I get from it. Um, my realization from when I read that line is that understanding, for me personally, 
that I think someone mentioned this, that I don't, I'm not the controller of anything. Ultimately, Krishna is controlling everything, right? And if I can have this, if I can have this simple understanding that is so complex at the same time, because we are trying very hard to control so many things in our lives that we have no control over. Because at the end of the day, Krishna is controlling everything, you know? We might have this idea that we control something. Um, but I think that when we let go of that, when we relinquish that, that desire to want to control something in our lives that we can't control, then we can actually begin to have this realization, this understanding that, that we can reach this perfection of life. You know, having this faith that, you know, Krishna is going to take care of me. Like, ultimately, like, if I am in his service, like, he's going to take care of me. And I know it seems like so hard for so many people to, to, to just accept that, that Krishna can take care of me. If I just simply serve him, that he'll take care of me. That's so hard. For, why? Because in this material world, we've been conditioned over and over again to try and control every outcome of our lives. We think we're the ones doing this, we're doing that, we're controlling this, and we're not. So simply just having this understanding, this, this conviction, this, this faith, is, is that, hey, I just, I just want to serve Krishna with my life. Everything else in my life, he'll take care of. If I'm simply thinking about him, why would he not take care of me? Why would he, why would he, why would he not? That to me, that's just how I see it. I just see it as he's going to take care of me. He knows my needs. He knows my desires. He knows everything that I want to do. And, and the Earl this morning said that when we come to Krishna consciousness, he fulfills all of our needs. And, and sometimes he even gives us more than just our needs. He sometimes like blows us away, gives us more than we can ever imagine. And then he used the example of Srila Prabhupada, who came here thinking, I'm just going to go to the West to preach in English, you know, and, and, and spread this, this Krishna consciousness. But never did he imagine that he would, you know, establish this worldwide movement, have over, what, 600 temples worldwide, right? And infuse bhakti in every single continent of the world. So that's just an example. And we might say, well, Prabhupada is Prabhupada. But Prabhupada said that we can do it too, right? He said if we have that faith, if we have that belief, that determination to want to serve Krishna, that we can do it too. So anyways, my application in all this is just to trust in Krishna. Trust in Krishna. I've messed up when I get in the way so many times. If I get in the way, I mess things up every single time. Right? Because I think I know what's best. I'm trying to control things and I think I know what's best. Ultimately, Krishna knows what's best. And I just want to get out of his way and let him do his thing. If that makes any sense. So. Thank you. Yes. And I'll give, um, that was beautiful, by the way. Yeah. I would give um, a little, just another counter perspective a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, that story, of course, where <clears throat> the man is, you know, his house is flooded and he's waving his arms and, you know, the Jeep comes by and he ignores it and he's still waving his arms. And then the flood gets higher and then a boat comes and he's like, God, please help me, please help me. And the boat comes by and he, he just, ignores it he's on the, the rooftop of his house and the water he's like hanging on to like whatever the fly or whatever and a helicopter comes he says god please help me 
And he, he drowns in the flood. He doesn't. He ignores the, the helicopter. So then he goes to heaven. He says, God, I was calling out for you to help me, and I, I drowned in the flood. Why did you not help me? He said, well, first I sent you a jeep, then I sent you a boat, then I sent you a helicopter. And you ignored all of them. <laughs> so so what, what Govinda Madhava is saying is not to like dismiss using our intelligence or, or practic- practicality, but this is going back to what we were saying, is that material plans, they always end in ultimately destruction. And it's simply we're simply being caught up in, in karma. But when you surrender to Krishna, Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, I don't I hate to spoil the entry. But he says, Sarva Dharman Pritjaja Mame Kamasaranam. I said, Abandon everything and surrender unto me. I will deliver you from all sinful reactions. Do not fear. So you can imagine somebody's being like battered about in the material world. And then somebody, kind of like a, an orphan. And then somebody takes in that orphan. Now, the person, the parents who take in that orphan, they're still going to punish that child to train them in good character. But now they're protected. So the idea is that we're, we're like orphans in the material world, but when we surrender to Krishna, we're no longer under the jurisdiction of karma. We're no longer, we, we've been rescued from that. Like we have this great debt, but Krishna says, Mukshayi Shami Masucha, he says, I will deliver you from all your karmic debt. So we've done so many things because like the first lesson of Bhagavad Gita is we're eternal. So because we've done so many things, we have so many reactions coming. We have like a whole bank account of reactions, good and bad. So Krishna, he wipes it all clean. And now he's personally in charge. So any difficulty you go through, it's not karma, it's Krishna. Krishna is like molding us, he's shaping us. He, he has taken charge of our life, it's totally different. It's, it's not normal reaction. It's, it's different than that. Um, so you can use your intelligence, use your practical thinking, your, use the resources Krishna sends you. Um, but the idea is, is we have to ultimately leave our body. We have to ultimately die. We can't stay here forever. So the idea is die in the service of Krishna. Do it for Krishna. And then he'll take care of you. He'll protect you. And real protection means to, to extricate us, to protect us from being involved in the cycle of birth and death repeatedly. Because when you take birth, immediately that means you have to suffer, right? Like as soon as you get one of these bodies, you have so many suffering comes with the body. Think about how many headaches you've got, or like how many times you've got sick, and like how many times you've like stubbed your toe and like broken a bone or whatever, like. This body means you're going to suffer. So the real, the real safety means to take shelter of Krishna. I mean, we have, to, we have to leave this body. We have to ultimately die. Do it on the battlefield of Krishna consciousness. That's, that's the point. Yeah. Does that help at all? Okay. Okay, so. Oh, man, I really missed Chaitanya Leela tonight. Okay, but we have Murari Mohini, and she offers her respects to all the devotees. She wanted me to say that. Let's see. She do the questions, and then... Okay, she sent, I think she sent... How did she do this? Oh, here we go. It's from text four. 
One can see the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Govinda, always within himself and outside himself if he has developed the transcendental loving attitude towards him. Understanding. The Lord is present in every living entity as Paramatma, the Supersoul, and everything rests in him and comes from him. He is therefore present in everything external as well, but he cannot be seen through the material senses. Therefore, to most people, he is not visible. However, Srila Prabhupada states here that if that it is possible to see Krishna within oneself and outside of oneself, but one has developed the transcendental loving attitude towards him. Very beautifully said. Application. I pray to God that he gives me enough of a transcendental loving attitude for me to be able to see him within and outside of myself. I always pray to God that I may love him more and more, and I hope this will be sufficient to enable me to see him. When I look at the world around me, I think, this is part of Krishna, but it is only an intellectual thought. I look forward to it being a fact, a perception. I am relying on Krishna's mercy for this to happen. And you are seeing him, and you will see him more. But I don't believe that you're not seeing him, because I, I've seen you in your devotions. <laughs> I know that you see Krishna. Okay. So this is my discovery, I believe is from... It's going to be from 9-2. And this is a verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uchista lepan anu modita dvijay sakrit sma bunjetad apashta kilabisha evam pravritasya vishuda chetasas tad dharma evatma ruchi prajayate. In this verse from Srimad Bhagavatam 1 5 25, Narada described his previous life to his disciple Vyasadeva. He says that while engaged as a boy servant, that while engaged as a boy servant for those purified devotees during the four months of their stay, he was intimately associating with him. Sometimes those sages left remnants of food on their dishes, and the boy who had washed their dishes wanted to taste the remnants. So we asked the great devotees for their permission, and when they gave it, Narada ate those remnants and consequently became free from all sinful reactions. As he went on eating, he gradually became pure-hearted, as pure-hearted as the sages. The great devotees relished the taste of unceasing devotional service to the Lord by hearing and chanting, and Narada gradually developed the same taste. So now we're talking about a higher taste like we were discussing earlier. <clears throat> so understanding, the path of bhakti yoga is so simple, one can easily miss it. It is so subtle that when we are absorbed in gross and subtle matter, we completely overlook the even subtler spiritual dimension. In fact, we can't see it at all from such a narrow, suppressed position. The be this beautiful, simple narrative of the beginning stages of Narada's liberation and elevation to pure devotional service is referenced here by Srila Prabhupada. He does so to demonstrate in action the famous verse, Rajavidya Rajaguyam Pravitram Idamutamam which is this knowledge is the king of all education, is the most confidential knowledge. It is the highest knowledge. How does this statement by Lord Krishna manifest in simple terms? How is the most confidential knowledge revealed and assimilated by the most famous and glorious devotee, Srila Narada Muni? Although a young boy, he has great faith in the benefit of associating with saintly persons, so much so that he eagerly hears their nectarine words, serves them, and takes their sacred remnants of Mahaprasadam. 
This humble mood of service and hearing the message of love of God is the perfect medicine for those, for, for those fortunate souls who want liberation into pure bhakti. This young boy possessed one quality that supersedes all other mundane qualities. That is, eagerness to receive mercy, mercy from saintly devotees of the Lord. Tender faith, shraddha, leads to association with devotees, sadhu sangha. If one takes advantage of this mystical, powerful, and most auspicious association, one can attain the perfection of existence through hearing, serving, and receiving their causeless blessings. By receiving their benedictions, we are admitted entrance into the eternal atmosphere of pure, loving devotion to Lord Krishna. This is our real life and the fulfillment of our intrinsic spiritual cravings. So application, I must hear the holy names with attention and chant with love. This is the instruction of the saintly devotees I have been fortunate enough to associate with. If I hear nicely, then I will be protected from committing aparad, which is offenses, and can serve the devotees of Krishna nicely with heart, with a heart filled with the love of God. So ap aparad literally means to an offense against the goddess of devotion. <laughs> so this Radharani is uh, the feminine aspect of the divine. And she's engaging us. And she's the pleasure potency. So this pleasure potency is is fixed on pleasing the supreme, supreme Godhead. And so when we do something to desecrate the the sacred, like to not respect that which is sacred, it's called aparad. It means an offense against Radharani, who is trying to engage the living entities in, in service to Krishna. Um, which is the really good way to enter into this uh, liberated state because the, the um, bound state means that we're trying to be something we're not. We're basically trying to be many gods. Like in this world, everybody's kind of trying to be on top, you know, like top of the food chain, like, <laughs> like the, big, the big guy. But um, spiritual life is completely opposite. We're trying to become humble servants. And that's why Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, he says devotional service is so rare. Because no, who wants to be a humble servant? Nobody, nobody wants to be a humble servant. And this world, because this world is a place of trying to be big. Like we want to be like God, that's why we're here. Um, so Narada Muni, he said in the example, he was just like serving these sages. And he was so humbly... Because the thing is, is when somebody is like so pure, so so saintly, whatever they touch becomes purified because they use it all in the service of God. So when they take prasadam, when they take um, food that's been offered to the Lord, it becomes even more holy because it's been it's been connected with these devotees who love, who have this deep love for God, and they've touched it. So as Narada Muni was taking these purified remnants then he was like growing like in devotion. He was developing this love through this connection, through the service, through hearing them. He became like the greatest sage of all time. Like Narada Muni is throughout the Vedic literatures, throughout these yoga texts, these ancient yoga texts. He's always like preaching and helping people make advancement in, in God consciousness. So, okay, so let's see. I want to hear yours, but it, it might be a little confusing because we're going backwards. <laughs> um, no, it's okay. Do you want to share? I have just a little bit of it. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to the backwards, as Prabhuji said. Yeah, this is uh, for verse uh, uh, 8.28. Um, uh, How devotional service gives all piety performed from other austere sacrifice, giving charity or pursuing philosophical and fruitive activities. My understanding. By his devotion, a devotee automatically gains the results of all other paths without even desiring them. More importantly, devotees enter into the spiritual world. Also, I understand Krishna's mercy, how he brought me into your association, all devotees here, uh, to discuss these middle six chapters as first and last six chapters are like coverings of middle six chapters which are especially protected by the Lord. His Divine Grace Srila Prabhupada said, one should understand these chapters not by scholarship or mental speculation, but by hearing them in association with devotees. That's my understanding. And the application uh, would be like, um, I've been reading this Bhagavad Gita every day, and been chanting. Uh, so when I've been doing, uh, it kind of became dry, but then I've been listening to the lectures and everything, but they said association of the devotees. That's what I came to Mother Sandamini to see if I can associate here with the devotees because uh, in Phoenix, I've been working material work. I don't get time to go into the temple all the time, but then I don't have the association of devotees because weekend I just spend with the family. Then when I came here, I realized when I was reading that this jewel that I've been finding through the association of devotees is like a blissful thing for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting with all this philosophy, Srila Prabhupada, he said he created this movement so that devotees can have loving exchanges with one another. So actually this movement is based on relationships with devotees. Because um, Krishna consciousness is not a dry spiritual path. It's one of like deep spiritual relationships. So without developing those deep spiritual relationships, then like you said, it becomes dry. Because the whole essence of Krishna consciousness is... is Personal, yeah, to connect with devotees, and that's like who we are as human beings and as souls, as we are interpersonal beings. So we, we have to connect with people, like to have any happiness. I just um, recently, my wife wanted me to see The Grinch with her. <laughs> it's, a new, it's a new one that came out. I normally don't see movies, but. Sometimes I do because my wife and my stepson. <laughs> but you always can relate it to Krishna consciousness. But like the Grinch is like, you know, he's separate from all the like wonderful citizens of, I can't remember this town. <laughs> but he's like in his cave and he's always like scheming some, something. So we're kind of like that, you know, we, we, we can't have happiness if we don't have close interpersonal relationships with devotees. And unfortunately, in the material consciousness, we're looking for that because it's based on the false ego. It's not satisfying because everybody is trying to be something they're not. And that's not to criticize, but that's just a fact because the nature of this world is false ego. Like people don't know who they are. They're identifying with the body. They're identifying with their position in society and things. So it's, it's, it, can't be, it can't be so deep 
as we, if we start to enter into the soul level, it becomes a soul-to-soul connection. And that really lasts. Yeah. I just want to add something. I like this verse a lot because it's interesting how it says that simply by performing devotional service, he attains all these. And at the end, he reaches the Supreme. So simply by performing devotional service, this is a testament to the power of devotional service in that you have all these different yogis that are trying to do all these different penances, perform all these penances, tapas, right? And, and they're thinking, oh, I am performing this great austerity. And in their minds, they're thinking, this is so great. This is beyond bhakti. In fact, the idea of bhakti to so many is like this preliminary kindergarten thing. You know what I mean? And then they think that they can graduate beyond bhakti. But pure devotional service, the simple act of rendering loving service to Krishna. In other words, there's no self-interest. I'm not doing it because I want stuff from you. I'm just doing it because I want you. This is so powerful that you immediately get all the results of all the other processes of yoga completely. And you attain the highest, the highest abode, which is Goloka Vrindavan. So this is so powerful. And I look at this in, in the way to kind of support what I said earlier. That when we simply have faith in Krishna, then everything else is taken care of as well. In the same way that if we perform pure devotional service, all these things to our credit. In the same way, will Krishna not take care of us? Absolutely. And this is more evidence and more proof. I just thought that's just amazing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And we can really only do it through going back to the association of devotees, association with people on the path of bhakti yoga. And you, it's like a, it's a yoga lifestyle means that you associate with people who are also on the path and they're also practicing, and you get inspiration from that because, like, because so many people actually everybody is is on a materialistic path generally, so when we when we want to pursue spirituality, we need to have that encouragement, that motivation through other people who are doing it. So, uh, this is absolutely essential. Theoretically, could you? There is no graduating from bhakti yoga. I mean, that's basically the foundation, right? That all other things rest upon, right? I mean, the service to to God and then service to your 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 fellow uh, humans, you know. So how I mean, how could you ever graduate out of something that is so like foundationally needed that without it, everything else would crumble? Yeah. Because without bhakti yoga, there's there is nothing. Well, the graduation is just to remain on the path. It's like when you when you're on the path, you're on the graduate level. But it never like changes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm in high school, I go to college. Now I'm yeah. going to this. You know, I've kind of, you know, I still got what I learned there, but I'm I'm above it now. Yeah. But you should never be above like basic baseline service. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's that's a great. You point. should only expound upon it. Exactly. Because yeah. when we're in service, then we're like we are acting as as a graduate. Where we're, we are graduated. But the the difficulty is to stay on that. To stay in that that platform, and to build on it, like mm-hmm. you said, so that's that's the point. Because and also because um, spiritual life is is always fresh and expanding, you can never reach the the full depth or the full expression of bhakti. You can always develop more. That's the beauty of bhakti yoga. You're but like you said, always going to stay on that baseline foundation as well. Exactly, you know? and if you lose the love and devotion, then even if you do so many so-called big things, then it's not accepted. Because it's really an, it's an offering of the heart, and that's what Krishna is looking for. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was thinking in this sense, like when you say graduation at one level, um, but uh, we are progressing every day as Prabhuji and this Prabhuji was saying, like how we keep progressing is like, well, we are chanting, we focus our mind and uh, actually as uh, we get like 40, 50,000 thoughts every day, uh, when we chant, all those thoughts get suppressed and we focus on the task given. Mm -hmm. So that is a progress for me. When I started, I was not even uh, for a second, I could uh, focus on the chanting. When I do the chanting, I have to hear, I have to. So basically it's like a hand, mind, uh, like listening and uh, uttering. Those are the coordination should be like, you should be able to focus on those things. And one other thing, as Prabhuji said, and you said, like there is when you progress, there is knowledge and detachment. Mm -hmm. So the knowledge is first learning the Bhagavad Gita. The second level would be the Bhagavatam. And the third level, the PhD would be the Chaitanya Charitamrita. Mm -hmm. So it has like the scriptural levels of the graduation that you can attain in this progress. And, and the, journey, the journey of Krishna consciousness is the goal. Mm -hmm. The journey of Krishna consciousness is the goal. The, the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. So that's why I was saying that there are some yogis, not bhakti yogis, who might think that there's something greater than, than bhakti. And there is nothing greater. Bhakti is, it is the goal, it's the ultimate goal of life. It's to fall in love with God, to fall madly in love with God. That's what we're all looking to do, ultimately, is to fall in love with, with Him again. It's to reawaken that dormant love that lies within, that we all have. It's not something foreign to us. It's already there. It's just been covered over. So when, when we're able to do that, then that is the perfection of life, is to really understand that every step of this journey, that is the goal. We're already in it. We're tasting. That's what it's all about. So, yeah, uh, I think I'll uh, go through the question and answer real quick, just because we're running out of time. Um, <clears throat> that's okay. So the first is, why is the knowledge presented in this chapter considered to be the king of education? So Prabhupada says, this chapter of Bhagavad Gita is called the king of education because it is the essence of all doctrines and philosophies explained before. Among the principal philosophers in India are Gotama, Kananda, Kapila, Yajnavalka, Vakya, Sanila, Sandilya, and Vaishvanera. Banana. <clears throat> and finally, there is Vyasadeva, the author of the Vedanta Sutra. So there is no dearth of knowledge in the field of philosophy or transcendental knowledge. Now the Lord says that this ninth chapter is the king of all such knowledge, the essence of all knowledge that can be derived from the study of the Vedas and different types of, types of philosophy. It is the most confidential because confidential or transcendental knowledge involves understanding the difference between the soul and the body. And the king of all confidential knowledge culminates in devotional service. And he says, sometimes people are under the impression that the soul is different from the body, and that when the body is finished or one is liberated from the body, the soul remains in a void and becomes impersonal. But actually, this is not the fact. How can the soul, which is so active within this body, be inactive after being liberated from the body? It is always active. If it is eternal, then it is eternally active, and, it, 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 and its activities in the spiritual kingdom are the most confidential part of spiritual knowledge. These activities of the spiritual spirit soul are therefore indicated here as constituting the king of all knowledge. 
the most confidential part of all knowledge. So how does this soul, how does this soul engage? What does the soul do? What is the soul like? This is confidential knowledge. This is the king of education. That's being described in Bhagavad Gita. <clears throat> so the second question is faith is discussed in verse 9-3 and its purport. Explains, explains some of the points made. Uh, Govinda might have already read some of these. Um, Krishna says, those who are not faithful in this devotional service cannot attain me, O conqueror of enemies. Therefore, they return to the path of birth and death in this material world. They do make progress, but they can't ultimately attain him unless they remain faithful. So have no, do not lose hope because any, anything we do in Krishna consciousness, we make, we make progress and we never lose that. So he says the faithless cannot accomplish this process of devotional service. That is the purport of this verse. Faith is created by association with devotees. Unfortunate people, even after hearing all the evidence of Vedic literature from great personalities, still have no faith in God. They are hesitant and cannot stay fixed in the devotional service of the Lord. Thus, faith is a most important factor for progress in Krishna consciousness. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is said that faith is the complete conviction that simply by serving the Lord, Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna, one can achieve all perfection. Um, so I know before Krishna consciousness, I'd always ask, like, why do I need faith? Why can't I just know? Like, what's the what's the point of faith? Like, just tell me, like, show me. But because it's such a desire and such a subtle thing, things are being revealed to us based on deeper desires within our heart. And so if all of a sudden God showed us himself in the spiritual kingdom and we had so many material desires, we would, we would be forced, more or less. And God doesn't want force. Like the whole nature of love is, is free will. So it's a very subtle thing and it's based on the desires within the heart. So when we have this spark of faith ignited that makes us want to start pursuing a spiritual path, things start to become revealed to us but in proportion to um, the, the change of desires within our heart. Does this make sense? So it's all based on desire. Um, so Krishna is revealing to us based on actually ultimately what we want. So it's, it's fair. It's not, it's not unfair. <laughs> and you, can't, you can know fully. You can know the spiritual reality fully. But it takes time and it takes a change of heart, a change of desires. Um, the last question is, what example does Srila Prabhupada use to illustrate how Krishna pervades the entire universe? At the same time, he has not lost his personal existence. So Prabhupada says, but actually, although we cannot see him, everything is resting in him. As we have discussed in the seventh chapter, the entire material cosmic manifestation is only a combination of his two different energies, the superior spiritual energy and the inferior material energy. Just as the sunshine is spread all over the universe, the energy of the Lord is spread all over the creation and everything is resting in that energy. Yet one should not conclude that because he is spread all over, all over, he has lost his personal existence. To refute such an argument, the Lord says, I am everything, everywhere and everything is in me, but still I am aloof. For example, a king heads a government which is but the manifestation of the king's energy. The different governmental departments are nothing but the energies of the king and each department is resting on the king's power. But still, one cannot expect the king to be present in every department personally. 
This is a crude example. Similarly, all the manifestations that we see and everything that exists, both in the material world and the spiritual world, are resting on the energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The creation takes place by the diffusion of his different energies, and as stated in the Bhagavad Gita, Vishyabhyaham idam krishnam, he is everywhere present by his personal representation, the diffusion of his different energies. Okay. Thank you all so much. And sorry we had to rush that last little bit because we're 13 minutes over. So. <laughs> yeah. So who's going on Harinam tonight? Harinam Sakirita. Where are you going? You yeah. can't. You probably I, can't. I, this would be the last, and then next weekend. Next week, you'll be able to go. Okay. So you're we're coming. Going. Are we going? Because we're we're behind on a bunch of things. Yeah. I don't know. We're kind of caught Let's up see. a bit there. But. We do. Uh, we go out. We do congregational chanting, um, just to share like the chanting of the holy names of the city, and then we like distribute it's, literatures and books and things. It's ecstatic. It's oh yeah. yeah. You want to come? It's ecstatic. Robert. I'll go. All right. Hey. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll be congregating about 6 to 8 for about 15 minutes. Have you heard from Kirtan? I haven't heard. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah
But yeah, my experience too is like the doctors are discussing these things with Once you get into the definition of the Yeah. So that's not exactly what you know. 
I was in a hospital. Anyway, it's a different level. It's better to approach an It's better than the that you told me. That's why it's like you done the thing about kind of like raising a child. Children go through different levels. You know, learning progression. But you know, it's all it's all just grounded and rooted in in the love of of that parent. They have for that kid. It's, you know, sometimes you have to let the child make mistakes in order to learn, you know. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Also do like a Sunday evening festival at 5:30. Okay. You guys can come down. We do that tomorrow night. There's a free meal afterwards. A nice lecture. And uh, then Thursday evening too at 6:30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll look into it and cool. see see what I have time for. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Eight eight six. 